Welcome to Saturday Simulcast, our February 3rd edition. I want to thank the Union Club Hotel, Boiler Up Bar, 811 Bistro, Leaps Coffee, the good folks uh, at the at the Union Club Hotel, including Vicki Wicks. We appreciate all they do for us. And remember, you can support the Union Club Hotel as they uh, want to increase and improve their designation as one of the top uh, uh, Marriott properties. And it is one of those uh, without question. So we thank them. Today's show, good one, as always. Tom Deanhart will join us. We'll talk a little Purdue football recruiting. Uh, and you can't help but talk about it. Tom and I sat next to each other for the Purdue-Northwestern game on Wednesday night. We're still buzzing over that. Uh, also, uh, we will have Rob Blackman, the voice of Purdue men's basketball. He will be talking about tomorrow's big game against uh, Wisconsin, 1 o'clock Sunday uh, against the Badgers. A, a huge game for both teams uh, as Purdue makes its quest for its 26th Big Ten title. That will be a lot of fun as well. And then, of course, Bruce Weber, uh, voice of the well, not a voice analyst on the BTN, former Purdue assistant coach for 18 years, coached at Kansas State, coached at Illinois. Of, you guys all know that. 497 wins. Very impressive. And that we'll look forward to getting Bruce's insight. Both Rob will have a great bird's eye view of, of Chris Collins' meltdown and, and talk about that. Bruce Weber obviously uh, was in the studio on Wednesday night, but he'll talk about that. And also he can relate to what the Boilermakers will be going through on Sunday uh, when they take on Wisconsin. So we'll look forward to a great show. Thanks so much for joining us and stay tuned. Tom Deanhart will join us next. I got to start with that because you and I shared that when we were sitting right next to each other. Um about as crazy, one of the craziest games I've seen. You've been going there a long time. I've been going there a long time. I think you were two years old when the building was built. Built. I was there uh, when it when it opened the first time. But just an amazing basketball game. And uh, Northwestern brought everything to the table. What did Dave Revson say, Tom? I, I on on Wednesday night, no team in 763 games has scored 95 points, shot 55 percent from the field, 20 assists, and less than 10 turnovers. Northwestern, the first team to lose in that scenario. What's that say about Purdue? Maybe I mean, is it? Uh, it was a, a unreal situation. Yeah, yeah. I always think to myself, having watched sports for years, you know. <laughs> Alan, good teams always find a way to win games like that. Yes. It's it's yeah. funny. It's the funniest thing, isn't it, Alan? And that's a sign of a good team. When you can find a way to win a game, you shouldn't win. And Purdue had a lot of reasons not to have the – deserve to win that game last night. And But the, you know what, Alan, they did. And how many times have I ever left Mackie muttering to myself, gosh darn it, Purdue was the better team, but they didn't find a way to win maybe at some yeah. point or another. And, but, yeah, I think it speaks volumes for Purdue and, and – I think I, I was at the post game last night, and I can't remember if it was Braden Smith. They were asked sort of a that type of a question, you know, uh, about finding a way to win. And he talked about how, how how the players have each other's back, and 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 they got that punch in the nose, Allen. And you know what? They didn't flinch. Things weren't going their way, Allen. And you know what? They kept on plotting forward, and they found a way to win. There was no divisiveness. And the way the players were talking last night. So that says a lot. And you know, Alan, the best teams are are led by the players, not the coaches. Yeah. They always say if the coach has got to lead you, you're going to have a, a tough time winning the games. So there obviously that speaks volumes about the leadership, I think, of this team. You know, Ethan Morton's, I know, a key leader 
for that squad. And, uh, and yeah, just, you know, it wasn't pretty, Allen, but like I said, they found a way to win. That free throw discrepancy, too, 46 for Purdue attempts, and then Northwestern had eight. And Chris Collins in the postgame, I'm sure everybody's seen it a million times now, of course, highlighted that. And I think that was the point of his postgame rant. On the field, <laughs> I'll say on the court antics, I say. Yeah. And I can't remember many uh, – Many uh, free throw discrepancies of that ilk, but yeah, it, it was just uh, a barn burner. Now, and I'll be honest with you, if I was watching at home, I probably would have turned it off. I, 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 yeah. I couldn't bear to watch, but I was forced to sit. I was forced to sit there. <laughs> me, and now I got one of the better memories of my life for as far as Purdue basketball goes. Five points down with two minutes and forty seconds to go, and Northwestern doing what they were doing. Uh, dead in the water was a th- was a thing. I think I muttered to you uh, uh, when sitting next to you that uh, that was that. Chris Collins, right? I've not seen many box scores like that. I think Chris Collins is very well respected. And General Matt Painter went out of his way to talk about what a great uh, job he has done with Northwestern, mm-hmm. and he has. I mean, for a team yeah. that's not ranked. Uh, this is a good basketball team. If Purdue gets a third shot at them or Northwestern gets a third shot at Purdue in the Big Ten tournament, I don't know if you're Purdue if you want that. But talk about, uh, you know, just co- you know Chris Collins and being able to hold together. But I've never – I've been in that building a long time, not seen a tirade quite like that. But then he goes down and shakes Painter's hand yeah. and and hugs Zach Eady. I thought that was really actually in the in – the, and he was enraged – but he held it together to do that. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, you. Uh, um, if you go to Knucklehead Central, <laughs> you get the perspectives on on the the Collins post game on court antics. You know, some people, you know, could sympathize with him, and other people thought it was still bush league. But Alan Carpick, it was entertaining. Oh, it was entertaining. And, you know, I Holy couldn't figure out. You know, it, I was trying to figure out what he was initially was mad about. I didn't know until I came home and watched somebody had put on Twitter. I thought maybe he thought a foul should have been called, but there was no Purdue player committed a foul. I think it was all orchestrated. He knew he was going to do this. And others yeah. have pointed this out. It was, it was not my thought, but it seems like it was probably orchestrated. He wanted to show his team that he was going to stand yeah. up or maybe want to send a message. He would, they, Somebody tried to bait him in the presser about commenting on the officiating. He didn't go there. Yeah, uh, he, he had a cooler head by that point, but he was certainly hot to go run right out on the court to confront that <laughs> official who really, you know, matter of fact, and very quickly teed him up. Then Boo Booey got the technical too. And then, um, then I, at that point I saw a police officer on the court. Yeah. They brought the security on the court. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that. I've Barney never I seen that. Restrain him. You know, they were trying to save him from himself there. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, we all know sometimes we've been there ourselves. <laughs> a fit of rage where you, you really lose all common sense. And Chris Collins probably was in that fit of rage for a while. So, and then he kind of composed himself, like you said, Alan, and, you know, kind of bizarrely went over and acknowledged Matt Payne and then shook Sackney's hand and kind of incited the crowd. <laughs> more as he went up the tunnel. So yeah, it was an exit. Unlike any, I can ever recall seeing in Mac arena. Yeah. Uh, common friend, Jane shot wife of Tom shot. Yes, uh, is a women's girls basketball coach at West Lafayette. I happened to see her on Thursday morning real early. And she said, yeah, there was a game where I got out of half court. And I didn't even know why I was there. I just all of a sudden lost my mind. And Jane yeah, is a, a great teacher, a very focused person, kind of like Chris Collins. 
it just happened. But I know the Lance Jones, he I think he was upset about the hook potential hook there. Uh, but yeah, I I agree with you. I think he was sending a message to keep his team competitive because they've got a huge game for them when they go to Minnesota this weekend. Uh, they don't want to. They said you don't want to let Purdue beat you twice. Purdue obviously also that big game on Sunday at Wisconsin. All right, your day job. You're you're an excellent yeah. analyst of all sports, but college football and Purdue football is that you had an interesting experience Wednesday getting a chance to talk. Uh, to a number of the newcomers for the uh, stuff that will be on the Boilermaker Alliance, but also we'll have stuff on our site about that. But just tell me about your impressions of some of the guys, not only from a physical standpoint, but what what you what you heard and saw uh, in the interviews. Yeah, I got a chance to speak to maybe, maybe 10 or 11 of the transfer portal guys, one of the junior college transfers, like you said, Alan, uh, on-camera interviews for the Boilermaker Alliance. So if you're a subscriber to the Alliance, you know, those those videos will be posted here at, at some point. I think they're going to drip and drab them out. Yeah. I did a 100-yard walk with Dylan Thieneman. And, um, yeah, impressive young men just from my brief interactions. Um, the Georgia guy, C.J. Madden, certainly passes the eyeball test, an outside linebacker, and, and C.J. Smith and, and the other wide receiver, Denial on Morissette. Uh, C.J. Smith, I will say this, he even wears a necklace that says Zoom on it. <laughs> uh, he is he, he's the burner obviously and it's not self-anointed he's one of the fastest kids in florida coming out of high school spent a lot of his youth in hawaii but again keep your eye on cj smith the georgia wide receiver uh with that speed boy he can take the top off a of defense and that's the type of speed purdue has not had at the position i don't know maybe ever alan they never really have a lot of those true burners but keep your eye on cj smith and you know, the junior college transfer the offensive tackle, Jaquan Bolden, biggest man on the roster, 6'5", you know, 300, 6'6", 350 pounds. And, and I talked to a couple of the other offensive linemen, uh, Joshua Sales from IU and DJ Wingfield of, of New Mexico. Again, certainly, Alan, these guys, uh, are, are they, they passed the proverbial eyeball test. And um, and they seem like good people and, and – uh, and, uh, you know, the spring practice will be starting that last, I think it's about the week after spring break in about mid-March or so. So, you know, Cam Brown, the wide receiver from UCLA, uh, this will be his third school. Uh, he's actually the son uh, of Larry Brown, who was the MVP of Super Bowl 30, a defensive back for the Dallas Cowboys. So I tried to glean some other tidbits on these guys as well. But, um, yeah, it's just going to be exciting, Alan. Um you know, Reggie Love, the Illinois running back, I spoke with him. I think he's going to be a good compliment to Devin Mockaby. And there, I know there's a lot of pieces here, Alan, but I'm really excited about the offensive line, number one. Much more depth now, quality depth, experience depth, really helped that unit out. And the receivers, too, right? Um, we all know the attrition Purdue suffered there via the portal with Deion Burks and TJ Sheffield, Abdul Rahman Yassin, Mershon Rice. Um, they're all gone. Uh, who is going to catch passes now? If you look at the veterans, there's not much. Jaden Dixon, Veal. So they really need the wide receivers, Al. And I'm eager to watch these receivers in addition to the offensive line in spring football. And, and real quick, too, next Wednesday, signing day, which used to be the big high holiday. Yeah, in yeah. yes, and it was. was an afterthought. But don't expect much from Purdue then. But I'm bringing it up because – there is one player they could sign that day. I think it's that junior college wide receiver, Leland Smith. Um, uh, again, if they sign anybody outside of him, 
I'm not sure. But again, uh, they could add another piece to their wideout puzzle uh, maybe maybe next week. So keep that on your radar. All right, Purdue got its fifth commitment uh, this week also. Rashad Jones, class of 2025. Guy was after some good schools were after him as well. Any mm-hmm. sense, uh, or a sense, I should say, I know you'd have any sense of what 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 that means, but also just kind of where that class is going. Uh, uh, obviously, they've got uh, the quarterback in there with Sawyer Anderson yeah. as well. But uh, what was your what was your takeaway on that? Yeah, he's a he's an outside linebacker um, from Belleville, uh, Michigan, the same high school as Deion Burks. Yeah. Um, a guy who right now has a little bit more potential than, than production. And it's just a nice start to this 2025 class for Purdue with the five commitments. Uh, they got, I think it was last spring, Keelan Abrams, another edge player from Texas. They have a running back from Akron, Zaire Stevens. You mentioned Rashad Jones, the most recent commit, another edge guy. Quarterback Sawyer Anderson, Allen, he's listed at 5'10". You know, he's, he's one of those shorter quarterbacks, but – you know what? When we we when we grew up, you know, short quarterbacks are almost taboo. They had yet Fran yeah. Tarkenton. How about how about how about a Fran Tarkenton reference for you today, Alan? There you go. <laughs> he can scramble <laughs> like Fran. He's good. <laughs> so he ran this guy. He's supposed he's obviously uber talented, and and we all know shorter quarterbacks can get things done. And then Alan, right now, they're the cream of the crop so far in this very small class. Terry and Grant. They got a couple couple weeks ago, four star player a truly elite cornerback from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Um, he probably is going to end up being the best recruit in this class. I know it has a long way to go, but, again, he, he's a special player. The question is going to be, can the Boilermakers hold on to him, Alan? It's a long way till next December. Where, oh will, my we God. Next, where will we be next December, Alan Carbett? Gosh, I I don't know, but that's <laughs> ten months. T- let's hope let's hope we're, let's, let's hope so, we're above ground and yeah, exactly. yeah. Can they keep Terry on Grant until next December? We'll see. But he's a special player, and obviously, Allen on um, Junior Day this weekend, and uh, they get more players in, and then uh, you know, really looking ahead June. That that's the big month for these recruits. A lot of kids commit in June. That Purdue has their camps over here, just across Northwestern Avenue. And but now they got a nice start with five players, and it'd be fun to watch this group continue to develop. Yeah, it uh, it will be an interesting storyline, and will be ever be as we always say, head on a swivel for Coach mm-hmm. Ryan Walters, for for Tom Deanhart, and others that are watching this because uh, it will be an active uh, session over the next ten months, just to mm-hmm. just to make see what you see today may not be what you see, will probably guaranteed will not be what you see in twenty or in December twenty twenty four. But uh, sounds good from a Ryan Walters standpoint that they're off to a off to a good start from that standpoint. So that will be. And lastly, too, you know, bit yes, of last week I've been on the site a couple of times, but now we're on a video. Just that they've got, they're bringing in a defensive analyst, Andy. Andy. Yes, Boo. yes. I wanted to ask B-U- you. B U H. Just pronounced Boo. Uh, nice pickup. Um, a veteran guy who's been a defensive coordinator at several schools. Was it Illinois? Allen was the linebackers yeah. coach at Illinois. So obviously, he's worked with Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane and Joe Deneen and Grant O'Brien and Corey Patterson, all those guys. So. The ex-Illinois fraternity adds another to their uh, to their ranks in West Lafayette. And kind of guy, like I said, a veteran to bring to your staff to work as a defensive analyst. Can't be anything but good. Uh, like I said, when you get a set of eyeballs like that helping you out now, too. 
All right, Tom. All, great stuff as always. Uh, uh, like I said, I just like sitting sitting next to you. We could we can rehash all the old times we as we sit there in Mackey Arena and spread out and. Uh, had, Al, was had a fun in, Al was sitting by Mason Gillis's mother. I never would have guessed that was Mason Gillis's mother. <laughs> and a lovely lady. She and I have. Nice lady, yeah. I, I, we don't talk. I don't ask her any inside secrets. She's just a. She's a good mom and. Uh, yeah. Hard to contain yourself uh, when she she handles herself extremely well in those yeah. those situations and and uh, has enjoyed making the road trip watching her son over the last uh, four years at Purdue and boy what a player Mason Gillis is as well so underrated and she raised him well I mean there's no doubt that uh, that part uh, he's a he's a he's a tough yeah. dude but he does tough a lot of the dirty work for Purdue segment two. Rob Blackman, our special guest. You know, I think it's interesting. I don't know that you and I have ever done this show. I mean, you've done a lot of media in your life, and you know, this is a this is a first for you. But uh, uh, we're glad to have you. And of course, the voice of Purdue men's basketball, and he'll be uh, busy on Sunday. He's busy every day covering the Boilermakers. But uh, and what a season Purdue's having. We'll talk about Wednesday's uh, crazy game in Mac Arena. Thursday nights. Uh, crazy game in Lincoln really as it turned out to be Nebraska coming from 19 points behind to beat Wisconsin and what that all may mean on Sunday at uh, one o'clock uh, local or Eastern time I guess the time is when the Boilermakers take on Rob will be on the air at noon with his partner Bobby Riddell one thing we wanted to do to to talk about initially is someone we both know uh, the passing of Jim Rowinski, and that was quite uh, quite sad news uh, on Thursday night. Uh, hearing of those, of course, Rob uh, and Elliot had done a Boilerable podcast. I was a student manager when Jim Rowinski was at Purdue, and knew Jim relatively well. Got to know him, got to kind of reacquainted with him as Rob did in the last year. But just there's not a lot to say in this type of situation. But it's a sad day for the for a very proud Purdue basketball program. Yeah, and you know, his uh, story was so remarkable about even how he just yeah. found his way to Purdue. And I know it's something you've, yeah. you've spoken about at length before, Alan, but uh, yeah, it was really neat. Elliot and I had a chance to visit with him. It was less than a year ago, might have been closer to six or eight months ago, he joined us on the Boilerball uh, podcast. And uh, I'm a little bit younger than you are, Alan, not much, but you know, when I was a, when I was a kid following Purdue basketball, like he was the guy, right? He was like the Incredible Hulk. Uh, when you saw him out there and those big muscles and, and the way he looked in a uniform and and just to see him play basketball, you're like, wow, how can a guy a guy with muscles like this be as good as he is at basketball? Because, of course, back then, you know, weightlifting was kind of taboo in basketball. It's yeah. not anymore, but it was back then. Uh, so like just many so many great memories from a Purdue basketball standpoint with Jim Rowinski. And uh, and yeah, man, sad, sad, sad news to hear of his passing. Yeah, an unbelievable story. It really is a Zach Eady-esque story. Difference, yeah. There are differences, but you think about Rowinski comes to Purdue at 6'4", 185 pounds as a walk-on, leaves 6'8", 255. Curry Kirkpatrick from Sports Illustrated wrote the great story about the Prince of Pecs. He yes. was an unbelievable story, and uh, and uh, he loved, he worked extremely hard get to uh where he was and and as and as you know alan he came to purdue you talk about being a walk-on you know the story he shared with us it not only was he a walk-on he was just hoping to make the practice team as a tryout that's player. right 
He did. He was a renegade. Know. They called him. Right. He was yeah. yeah played on the renegade team, and that was all he asked for was, "Hey, could I have a tryout to maybe make the practice squad?" And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. And that, that's a that's a hell of a story from going from practice squad tryout guy to to becoming uh, one of the all time greats in the history of Purdue basketball. Yeah, he came to Purdue as Lee Rose was uh, this is the team that went, last went to the Final Four. He was a renegade, kind of a practice player. Uh, we used to call him Dr. Leap because he could jump out of the gym, and that changed a little bit when he got a lot bigger, but uh, unbelievable story. All right, the uh, the Boilermakers, uh, let's go back to Wednesday night still. You were position A to watch Chris Collins melt down uh, while you were broadcasting, but more importantly, really, from a Purdue perspective, is the Boilermakers – really dug themselves uh, out of not as big a hole as Nebraska did uh, on Thursday night, but still down five with two and a half minutes to go. And and Northwestern not really literally not capable of missing a shot, it seemed. Uh, what an unbelievable finish to that game. Yeah, 78-73 was the score you're referencing there when Purdue was down five. And, man, you just uh, sitting courtside just did not have a real good feeling about how that game was going yeah. to, to, to wind up. Uh, but, of course, Lance Jones hits the big three. I mean, God, yeah. my gosh, what a find he has been for Purdue. Uh, and, look, I'll be the first to say it, Alan. I didn't know much about him. Uh, you know, I might, like anyone else, I looked up his resume and saw that he was, you know, two times all Missouri Valley Conference defensive team. Uh, and I knew that he was a thousand-point scorer. But I certainly didn't think offensively that he was, not, A, as skilled as we have found out as he is, and B, as fearless as he is. I mean, you think about some of the shots he has made uh, in his very short time here at Purdue, including those threes late in the game when Purdue absolutely had to have him Wednesday night. I mean, my gosh, he was he was uh, he he did not shy away from the big moment, uh, and uh, and we're we're glad to have him because of that. But yeah, man, what what a find, what a punch in the arm he has been offensively for Purdue and on the defensive end too, but. Uh, just the fact that he was not bashful about letting those threes fly late in the game when Purdue was really teetering there. And uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, when it was 78-73, I, I was real nervous about how that thing was going to was going to wrap up. But uh, thank goodness for Lance Jones. Well, you know, and I think one of the interesting things and you're closer to this team, travel with them around them a lot. Uh, all the time, uh, basically on the road last year, you know, Purdue had such a great year, um, overachieved in a lot of ways, got to the tournament and and, and we've, and it's been well documented what's happened the last three years in the tournament. But one of the things I think is interesting about Lance Jones is he's got, he has no memory of that. There's no mm -hmm. predisposition. Yeah. Uh, not that not that the guys that is that, that that are playing on this team have, but he can steer you away from that. He's like you said, no fear. And uh, he played that th that three hit again right in front of your broadcast position <laughs> and about in your lap, as I recall, uh, <laughs> yesterday or on Wednesday was just uh, again, he's there to make plays. And that really does make a difference in the team uh, that uh, is trying to get over the hump. You know, where he's made the biggest difference in this, you know, this is one of these things you can prove statistically is how much better Purdue yeah. is in transition with him uh, just oh, yeah. because of his athleticism, his ability to get out and run and outrun the defense. Uh, he gets so many of those uh, layups at the basket uh, because he's able to get out and run with a, without the ball on the wing, and Braden Smith normally finds him cutting to the bucket. Uh, you know, and I, stay, I say statistically because Purdue already has more fast break points this year than they had the right. entire season last year. That's 35 games 
that Purdue played last year. And here we are now 22 games into this season, and Purdue already has more transition points. That's the Lance Jones effect. Then those are the easy points that Matt Painter talks yeah. so much about. Look, Purdue's really good offensively, spends most of the year in the top five and adjusted offensive efficiency. But when you're constantly having to try to score against a set defense in the half court, that is a laboring task. That is tough to do on a night-in, night-out basis, especially in the Big Ten. So what do you do to try to alleviate that? We try to get early, or pardon me, easy points in transition. And that's what Lance Jones has provided. Uh, so now Purdue doesn't have to try to score every single point in the game in half score and half court offense against a set defense. So that to me has been the biggest, um, the biggest attribute that he has brought to this team on a positive side is his ability to get Purdue points in transition. I think Braden Smith was more than capable of doing that last mm -hmm. year. He just didn't really have a running mate that could help him get those kind of buckets in transition. Now that we've added the athleticism that we have with Lance, uh, that's a, that is a lethal one-two combination in transition uh, offense, and, and uh, Purdue's been better for it. All right, the landscape of the Big Ten changed Thursday night to some extent. At least mm -hmm. it got uh, evened out with the Nebraska's uh, come-from-behind uh, win. What was the first time? Of course, it's great now that you can you've got all these data now that where you can sort by certain things and get this. This was Wisconsin with 120 games. They had not yeah. blown a 15 point lead at the half. They did on Thursday night. But talk about the Big Ten as you see it. You've been in all the all arenas. Not that Purdue has played everyone yet in the league, but uh, you certainly watch a lot of basketball. Thursday, or excuse me, Sunday afternoon will be huge, and it will be interesting to see Wisconsin got taken into overtime and lost. Purdue pulled one out of the fire. You've watched a lot of basketball and sports in your life. What are you going to see from an added what, – what do you think the environment will be? It'll be raucous, I assume, in, in Wisconsin. But also, what do you think the psyche of the Badgers and Purdue will be going into that game? Well, let's go with the old Gene Cady thought of, you know, not who you play them, but when you play them. Well, and so I'm not sure what to expect from the, uh, yeah. pardon me, from Wisconsin after losing to Nebraska. Um, you're right. It's an overtime loss. It's a road game. It's a game in which you blew a 19 point lead. Uh, so they're going to be traveling back or they did travel back. I should say late on Thursday night. Uh, and that's a quick turnaround for them. Granted, they're the home yeah. team, but that's going to be a quick turnaround to play at what will be noon local time for them on Sunday. Uh, so I'm anxious to see maybe, and I, you know, I watched that game very closely Thursday night, trying to study up to get ready for our broadcast. And they're only playing, you know, they played nine. Greg played nine, yeah. but he really played closer to seven. Uh, That's you right. know, a couple of those guys, Carter Gilmore didn't play a whole lot of CG, and I don't think played at all in the second half. Uh, if he did, I don't remember it. So, you know, they really played about seven. So they, they go into overtime on the road in a tough uh, environment. So I'm not sure what to expect from them. They're always good in the Cole Center. Uh, you know, I know Purdue won there last year, uh, but they're just always so good at home. Just something about that building. Uh, but I would also, you know, remind the fans, you know, even though Purdue won there last year, two years ago, it was the Chucky Hepburn bank shot at the buzzer in overtime oh, yeah. that gave Wisconsin a Big Ten championship over Purdue. <laughs> so I remember that game quite well. Uh, unfortunately, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what to expect, Alan. The old, yeah, the old Gene Katie, and not not who you play, but when you play them, they they could probably go one of two ways, just from an emotional standpoint with that loss at Nebraska. Uh, but I would also add this, you know, a, a, as a Purdue basketball guy, I can empathize with what happened at Nebraska Thursday night. That is a difficult building to play in, and when they start making threes like they did in the second half, uh, especially C.J. Wilcher. 
they become darn near impossible to beat. And what happened with Wisconsin is the same thing that would happen would happen with Purdue when Purdue lost in Lincoln, and that is too many turnovers. Wisconsin said yeah. uh, had a season high in turnovers in that game Thursday night, similar to what Purdue did. Purdue turned the ball over way too much in that game and let Nebraska make, make way too many three-point shots. So uh, we can empathize with uh, with the Badgers because we've, we've been there, done that, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. this season. Rick Mass is really good, too. I mean, he, mm. he made some big plays down the stretch. And you know, like you said, C.J. Walter, Wilter was terrific. Chucky Hepburn, yes, Purdue fans can't wash that out of their brains after two years ago. But he is a, he is a talent, did not have as great a game maybe on – Thursday night, but he and he, he wasn't. It wasn't that he wasn't productive, and he was well into double figures. But it, this is a. It will be an interesting matchup. Nobody matches up with Zach Eady, and it doesn't feel you don't yeah. feel like Wisconsin has that. I mean, by definition, that happens. But do you think that that's a play, place that they'll really try to exploit Purdue? I mean, they always do anyway. But to, uh, what do you think, Matt Painter will try to throw at them as much as anything? Yeah, you know, Stephen Crowell is a seven footer, but. You know, yeah. he's not seven four, three hundred pounds with the skill level that Zach is. Um, right. And I would say this too. I know, I know, this is a segment that's supposed to be about Nebraska, but Rink Mast is the toughest matchup in the yes. Big Ten for Zach, just because he can step out and shoot the three, and he's nimble enough to put the ball on the floor and dribble past Zach if needed. So, without a, without question, Rink is a really difficult matchup for Zach. Stephen Crow, however, is much more of a traditional five. Now, Crow can step out and shoot the three. He doesn't do it often, but he certainly can when needed. But he's not a high-volume three-point shooter. He's not going to be taking five or six or seven threes in that game on Sunday. It's just not what he does. So it is a much more traditional yeah. matchup uh, for Purdue from a center standpoint. But really, Alan, I mean, that game on Sunday is coming down to guard play. Uh, you know, you watched yeah. A.J. Store tonight. Eight, or I keep saying tonight. Sorry, Thursday night. Uh, A.J. Store, 18 points in the first half uh, against Nebraska. That guy could not miss. Um, now he wasn't quite as good in the second half, certainly, but you know, if he has that type of a game against Purdue on Sunday afternoon, that's going to be very difficult for Purdue, uh, because he has really provided them a real punch in the arm from an offensive standpoint after transferring in from St. John's. And quite frankly, I think Blackwell is a lot better than we saw him play Thursday night at at Lincoln. Uh, he did not play well in that game. He's, he's been really good for him off the bench this year. Uh, didn't have a great game Thursday night, but he will be playing at home, so he'll be a little bit more comfortable with the surroundings, obviously, as as most young players normally are. Um, so I, I, I know most of the attention goes to Zach Eady v. Stephen Crow, and I get it, two very good seven-footers in our league going going head-to-head. But really, I think it comes down to guard play on Sunday and and, and who's getting the, the more production from the guard play. Uh, is A.J. Store? Uh, is Chucky Hepburn, is Max Klesman, who hit some huge threes Thursday night in the second half for Wisconsin. Does he get it going? You know, we saw Klesman just last week against Indiana score 20 straight points all by himself. You think about that. Uh, We haven't seen Zach Eady do that. I mean, that's hard to do, 20 straight points all by yourself. And Klesman did that against Indiana. So this game really, I think, comes down to guard play Sunday. Purdue's guards are really good. We know that. Lance has been good. Uh, Fletcher's been good. Obviously, Braden's been good. But you know what? Wisconsin's guard play's been really good too. Uh, yeah. So that, that to me, that's where this game's going to come down to on Sunday. Yeah, really interesting thing about the runs. There were three of them in the in the Nebraska game. Wisconsin had three guys that had over ten point runs. And I think yeah. in that game, right? Well, and and very strange. That's a strange, another strange statistic, but it's a strange thing. I and mean, yeah, I'd never heard. I don't think I've ever heard of twenty points. Uh, I'm sure it's happened. 
Uh, yeah. But even the great, uh, great scores like Rick Mount and others uh, over the years, uh, that's an incredible feat. And the Badgers seem to be, at least uh, in the Nebraska game Thursday, were streaky in that level, but got had that 19-point lead and couldn't hold it. And uh, uh, now Purdue in the loss column, and maybe maybe all, uh, all the way is now t- tied with the Badgers uh, for first place. And right, so interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah and I hate to cut you off there, Alan, but and I think uh, most of our fans know this, but in case you might have forgotten, uh, remember, senior day for Purdue is home against Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, no matter what happens on Sunday, there is going to be a rematch, and it's going to be the final home game of the season and the final game ever at Mackey Arena for, for Zach Eady uh, and for Mason Gillis and, and for Ethan Morton. Uh, so that uh, no matter what happens Sunday, there's probably still a really good chance that senior day uh, game at Mackey Arena is probably still going to have a major implication deciding who wins the Big Ten regular season title. You know who the winner of that is? StubHub and SeatGeek for the value of those tickets (laughs) in Mackey Arena. And that that service charge, unbelievable from that standpoint. All right, I want to ask you one question just about your your job and how you do it. On the road, it's always interesting because you do travel. Just take us through a a 1 o'clock Eastern start or noon. Boilermakers will be up for pregame at eight, I would assume, or eight eight central. But tell tell us about what your game day because you talk to Matt Painter. You're you're certainly around all that, and you get to the arena well and early. But take us through it. What will be your day on Sunday as you get ready for the Badgers? Okay, yeah, the, good question because uh, I think uh, it'd be nice for maybe some of the fans to have a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, now this weekend will be just a slight different in uh, in kind of how we go about our preparation, only because. Uh, we cannot get into the Cole Center and shoot around on Saturday afternoon. Uh, they have an event going uh, that evening slash afternoon, so Purdue doesn't get a chance to get in there and shoot on Saturday. Typically for a noon tip, which is going to be noon local on a, on a Sunday, we would go over to the arena sometime Saturday late afternoon, early evening, at least shoot for an hour or so. Uh, we won't have that luxury this time around. That rarely happens, but it is happening here. Uh, so with that in mind, this is how it's going to look like on Sunday. And I know this because I just got the itinerary sent to me a few <laughs> hours ago. Uh, but uh, so we'll have uh, at 8 a.m., uh, we'll get the guys uh, all gathered up in a banquet room there at the hotel. And they'll watch about 15 minutes of film. And it'll just be refresher stuff. Uh, you know, Purdue's had the last couple of days uh, to get ready for this game. So they've already seen plenty of film on Wisconsin. But it'll just yeah. be a matter of P.J. Thompson will take us through, I don't know, 10 or 12 uh, defensive looks that he thinks we're going to get against Wisconsin uh, on film that he's seen against the stuff that we run offensively. Uh, and then either Terry Johnson or Paul Lusk will talk, will do the same thing on defense. They'll talk through 10 or 12 things about, Hey, this is how we want to defend. Again, this is all refresher stuff. The guys have been over it for the last yeah. 48 hours or so. So it's just a real quick hit to, for a quick refresher that lasts about 15 minutes. Uh, and then our guys will have breakfast. Uh, right there in that same room, they'll bring breakfast out, and uh, that'll kind of be it. They'll go back to their rooms and get uh, get all dressed and ready to go. And with a noon game, uh, we'll bus out at like uh, about 9.45 or so uh, to get to the arena. We will get to the arena a little bit earlier uh, to shoot around uh, about 15 minutes earlier than we normally would. But, again, yeah. that's because we didn't get a chance to shoot Saturday night. So you just want the guys to get an extra 15 minutes of – you know, shooting around in that building to try to get a feel for Cole Center and that kind of stuff. Most of our guys have already played a game there, obviously, last year, so it's not that big of a deal. I don't know if Lance Jones has ever played there or not. I'm yeah. assuming he hasn't, but 
So it's really yeah. not that big of a deal for our guys. Uh, but you ask about me personally. So when the film is done and the players start to eat breakfast, uh, Coach Painter and I will step out of the room and we'll we'll pre-record our, uh, our our pregame show, which is about a five-minute segment. And then when we're done, I'll give the microphone to Bobby Riddell, my broadcast partner, and he will do his uh, five-minute segment with one of our assistant coaches uh, for what's called the uh, scouting report segment. So we knock that stuff out early, uh, and then we all have our breakfast too, and then that that's kind of it, man. Get on the get on the bus and roll over to the Cole Center and, and try to find a way to beat the Badgers. Yeah, it's a and you uh, take the air an hour before tip, right. so you'll be on eleven o'clock Central, noon Eastern, and you also get to travel with the Great West Scott. So that's that part. Uh, we do, and I should do. also mention yeah. this, uh, and I and I know you know this, Alan. Uh, but so uh, Stephanie and I, our oldest son, Evan, he's a freshman at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, so this game's yeah, got a little yeah, extra meaning in, in the black. Yeah. yeah. In the Blackman household, this game's got, got, got a little extra riding on it because uh, old dad one that doesn't want to have to hear it from his oldest son. If, if things go sideways for our Boilermakers on Sunday. So we'll, we'll be a house divided for about two hours on Sunday afternoon. Will you get a chance to visit with him then when you're up there? Yeah, or? he'll be. Uh, we're actually gonna. We our team will arrive in Madison actually early Saturday, early afternoon. Uh, so we're gonna spend some time with him and uh, Stephanie's a going on the trip. So, but he's oh, a college great. kid. I know you've had a couple in your house, uh, Alan. He didn't want to spend a whole lot of time with mom and dad Saturday, but we'll we'll try to we'll try to nail him down for a couple hours anyway to hang out with us. <laughs> I do know one thing. If you pay for something, yeah. I always say vacations, but you take him to take him take him out to eat. He'll be there. So, and that's a great that's a great sidelight. And uh, thanks for uh, sharing your a little bit of, of that because it's, it really is interesting, not only on a family level, but also uh, what will be happening uh, that that. So, Rob, thanks so much for your time, and uh, we appreciate it. We always appreciate your work, and uh, you have uh, done a ma masterful job of. Uh, and, and a very difficult job, and that is replacing a legend in Larry Clisby. There is no replacing Larry Clisby, and I think you've been very, paid so much respect to his legacy, uh, and that has been a very, very important thing as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple minutes uh, when uh, Bruce Weber will join us, and uh, we'll talk some more Purdue basketball as well, uh, certainly with the, with the big game coming on Sunday. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple minutes on Golden Black Law. Welcome to segment three, joined by Bruce Weber. Uh, and Bruce needs an introduction to our audience, obviously, a long time. 18 years at Purdue as an assistant coach. Won 400. Every time I see that, 497 games, you're not old enough to have won 497 games. That's impressive. That at Kansas State, at Illinois, took Illinois to the final four in 2005. And, of course, Southern Illinois, where he worked with a guy named Matt. And of course, he knows that. Uh, first, I wanted to first kind of on a sad note, not kind of on a sad note, on a real sad note, with, uh, uh, with Jim Rowinsky's passing uh, on Thursday. Just an unbelievable story from a basketball perspective. You obviously coached him uh, to his greatest heights as an assistant. Uh, just talk about kind of not a whole lot to say in this situation, but it's still a very, very numbing situation. And it's sad to hear about Jim's passing. Yeah, just very, very tragic. And, uh, you know, you know, for him to pass, obviously, and, and just an amazing story, probably one of the, there's so many great stories in college basketball, but his is so unique, as you know, and, you know, to be a walk on to get hurt like he did, and all of a sudden to grow, 
whatever it was, six, seven inches and get strong like that and, and end up leading us to a Big Ten championship and becoming the MVP of the Big Ten. Uh, you know, when I tell people stories like that, they're like, oh, you're making this up. It's like a book. And, you know, so it, it, it you know, it's amazing what he did. He ended up playing, you know, uh, professional basketball for quite a while. And um, just, uh, uh, you know, he, he loved basketball. He loved playing. He yeah. loved working out. Uh, just And he was just a good, good person. Uh, obviously, yeah. really good friends with that group. Uh, Kurt Clausen, Greg Eifert, all, you know, they, they communicated with me last night and, um, you know, they, they had a lot of fun together. There's no doubt. Yeah, wouldn't they made it quite, uh, in an 82 trip to New York uh, for the NIT championship, he took me off track betting. So he got me into that. He was, <laughs> he loved being the New York guy and being from Long Island. That was a big deal for him. And he was the quintessential guy. And, that really went from a complete, like you said, a complete a renegade on Lee Rose's staff to starting two years later. We remember his first start was against Akeem Olajuwon. Just an unreal, unreal story. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and the uniqueness, too, of, you know, Russell Cross going pro and then yeah, Jim yeah. getting that opportunity. Because uh, if Russell doesn't go pro, Jim is – Jim's not probably playing quite. He's definitely not starting and not yeah. playing. And and also the story we visited last year, the one of the greatest comeback games in the history, and him banking in the shot at the top of the key. I, I'll always remember that one. Yeah, it's hard to forget. All right, Purdue uh, dodged a huge bullet, uh, and uh, on Wednesday uh, against Northwestern, and really an incredible game. You and Ray. And Dave Revson had some uh, great, great, uh, not only commentary, but analysis of that. But talk about that. Uh, you know, Northwestern is really good. It's hard for sometimes Purdue fans to fully realize they should now because they've obviously the Wildcats beat Purdue up in Evanston. But Northwestern is really good. But Purdue, it showed a lot about Purdue to get out of that game alive, not shooting the ball from the free throw line very well, uh, and yet and yet finding a way to win. Does that say a lot about where Purdue is, or is that just uh, something that Purdue fans need to be concerned about moving forward? Well, you know, I really think it says a lot about Purdue. You know, the, we always talk about good teams find a way to win, and it wasn't like Purdue played bad other than the free yeah. throws. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he shot 57 at, from the field, I believe, and 46 from three if I – I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that they, you know, they shot the ball well. Um, Northwestern is good. And I think a lot of times it's just matchups. People don't realize how important matchups yeah. are, um, you know, how, you know, Northwestern plays and runs their stuff. And, you know, and they, they shot unbelievable. And, you know, it's just amazing. Both games, how both games were similar. Like eight points at halftime. Northwestern's comebacks in the second half, tie score at the end, overtime, and both teams win kind of about the same amount on, on you know, home, home court. So Northwestern's good, and if you really study it, Northwestern played at Wisconsin. They played them the best. Anyone has played in Madison. They also have played the best, other than Wisconsin last night, overtime, they had played at Nebraska the best game, and now they played Purdue the best. So uh, they they are they're a good team and uh, you know they you you look at them 
maybe they're not sexy and they don't have some star players. Well, Boo Boo is a star, but I mean, they don't have, I guess, beyond Boo, they don't have these name players. But uh, Chris Collins has done a really nice job. And it's and it's a good win for Purdue and and the next I, you know out of game with Boo Booey having the ball like, at the end of the game. Continental flight forty one twenty eight. He's, he's uh, made a lot of big shots. Seven minutes behind way. schedule, and he didn't get that uh, one to go. Departure and, and, and is I love what Brandon Smith how he played. It's just amazing his maturity as a player. It is a trap. Yeah, he absolutely. I mean, it is amazing. He's one of the best. Point guards Purdue has had in a long time. If if, uh, if maybe at the end of the day be the, be the best they've ever had, just in terms of how the job he's done. You know, uh, you know. I think the other thing that was interesting about uh, that game is just the fact that that Purdue, you know, Zach Eady at 15 points uh, midway through the second half, and basically scores scores 15 points in the last uh, five or six minutes of the well, maybe the last three or four minutes of regulation, in the last five minutes. But just Purdue deciding to go to Eady. And getting it done that way uh, uh, is certainly a formula for success. Yeah, they had, and and again, I give Braden credit. There were several opportunities where he could have shot. It. He had an open shot, but he was a little more patient. He got the post speed. He he kept you know kept his dribble a couple times and got it to Zach. Um, you know he he was smart enough. Obviously, he's he's listening to Coach Painter. I, I think that's part of it. Yeah. That, you know, when you're coachable and you and you want to win, um, you know, he, he made all the right plays to get it to Zach. And then they just, you know, Northwestern is as physical as anybody. Um, you know, if Zach makes his free throws, he has even a bigger game. And, and that's the thing that's been so impressive for me with Zach is that he, he is a good free throw shooter. And, and over 70, usually for big guys, you know, that's a difficult task a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, for you know to make free throws, but they uh, made the right decisions and got the ball to him Cincinnati at the right time. Nice and and the the out of gate number B seventeen. Yeah, no question, and he has been been uh, worthy of national. Player of the year, though I know you guys have some debate even with Ray Davis uh, on the set about Bowie Bowie's ability to be first team All American, maybe nasty. You know, for the while that game, during that game, you said, "My gosh, he 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 is as good as anybody in the country." But uh, you think he ends up? Bowie ends up being a he'll be an All Big Ten guy. Do you think he makes a first team All American? Do you think he makes top two teams All American? How do you see that playing out? Well, I I think he deserves to be up there in that top couple. You know, I have studied national every every team like you know maybe some you have and know a lot more. But you know, Zach's going to be there. There's no doubt. Bowie he deserves to be up there and, and if he you know if he makes that shot at the end of the game and beats Purdue at Purdue yeah. it, it would have helped but he's not even on the wooden list which was really disappointing yeah. also and and one thing I talked about the guys in the studio and and you know our all the you know producers and all that at the BTN is like is it disturbing that you know for the Big Ten nationally that Braden didn't get on the koozie list and and Boo didn't get on the, uh, you know, wooden list. Are, are we not getting the publicity we need? Because, you know, I, I'm not sure the depth is as good as it was a year ago. But I think the 
top teams are definitely as good or and, and probably better, you know, no doubt with Purdue, no doubt with Wisconsin. I, I think Northwestern, I doubt it if they were better than last year, but they're definitely capable. They're way better offensively. Um, you know, so, you know, I guess Michigan State would be the one. Can they ever go, get on a little bit of a run? Nebraska's better than a year ago. Uh, Maryland, I think Maryland's the one that, you know, is kind of the surprising team that, uh, you know, they may make the run. And then obviously Illinois uh, is, is better than they were a, a year ago also. Yeah, interesting thing. It'll be interesting to see how many, not only how many teams make the the, the tournament, but how it all plays out in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, you'll have a lot to talk about from that standpoint. Okay, Wisconsin, crazy uh, 19. That was the statistic. That I don't know who they got pulled out that they were, what, 120 and zero when they were up 15 at the half. Well, they And they were up 15 at the half and lost at Nebraska. What you see there, and you've prepared teams with those type psyche situation where Purdue is mentally after its win, where Wisconsin may be after an overtime loss and a one day less to prepare. What does all that mean on Sunday when these two teams meet? Um, I don't think it means a whole lot, to be honest. I, I there's sometimes yeah. you, good, you, know, you can we always say don't let one loss be, make two losses, and and I just think they're too mature. Playing at home, playing Purdue, um, you know, it. I, I don't think it'll make a difference with Wisconsin. Obviously, Purdue has some nice momentum. Uh, you know, they, I, you know, and they had to win it the way they did in overtime. I think that you keep your edge there. Um, Wisconsin is really, really good. I actually had the first Nebraska at Wisconsin game, and they scored 88. They score at home. They're very efficient. Um, I do see them giving Purdue a little bit of problem, especially if their big guys make three. If they're, you know, the matchups, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I haven't talked to Matt. I texted him yesterday, actually, but not about matchups or anything. But you would think he might put Zach on Wall because Wall probably scores more inside, um, you know, and then you, you know, you got a chance Gillis or Trey Kaufman Ren or whoever can guard. Uh, Crowell out on the court, although they'll put Crowell inside at times too, but I, I think he's more effective when he makes threes for them. I think the big matchup is who's going to stop A.J. Crowell. And, I mean, he is he's yeah. a special player. Um, and, you know, but, again, Klesman and, uh, shoot, they, even Chucky Hepburn, Blackwell comes off the bench. They, oh. Every game it seems to be somebody else. And But for them to lose last night, uh, the way they lost, it was very, very uncharacteristic of them. They're so efficient. They've been so, you know, so good uh, about taking care of the ball and making the right plays. And uh, But they, the, as you know, and watching Purdue go to, to Nebraska, you know, a couple, couple of years in a row here, um, that place, they get going, they get cooking, Fred gets, lets them play and, they they can make some shots and and you you know just uh, and even down the stretch it looked like Wisconsin had the game yeah. and uh, yeah you know Mass makes an unbelievable step back three to tie that thing and and uh, Nebraska could have won in in regulation they had the ball at regulation the yeah did it so uh, but I, I expect that's it's a big time game obviously you got them again one more time. Uh, and you got Illinois at Illinois. So, you, you know, and I'm not looking by other people, but, 
you know, that those both teams, if you look at it, have about the same schedule. Wisconsin has two. They have Illinois at home and Purdue at home. And obviously Purdue has two road games at, at uh, Madison and also at uh, Illinois here down the stretch in this last nine. Yeah. I think that's the number one thing that us, us mere mortals that, that observe basketball do not understand. And I still don't, you know, when you talk matchups and you're right, it's always all coaches, good coaches like yourself talk about matchups. It's hard for all of us to fully understand like why, why certain games are not better than they are. Uh, but that's a that or a certain certain matchups end up being a certain thing. But that is a difference. Hey, Bruce, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, we kind of made our way through the airport here, and I appreciate your patience. And sorry for a little bit of that background noise, but uh, always great to talk to you, and always great to get your expertise. Want to thank our guests. Tom Deanhart, not a guest, he's one of my colleague at goldenblack.com, but always interesting conversations with Tom, but also Rob Blackman, voice of Purdue basketball, and Bruce Weber for making this Saturday simulcast a good one. We appreciate them. want to thank the Union Club Hotel and uh, for all they do for us. Uh, make sure next time you plan an excursion to West Lafayette that you try out the Union Club Hotel, even if you come go for the restaurant cup of coffee. The Boiler Up Bar is fantastic. We enjoy that very much. So we will be back next week. It's IU week, so it'll be a very special week. In fact, hope to have Gene Cady uh, join us uh, for the simulcast for next week's uh, big game against Indiana and Mackey Arena. And of course, uh, some other special guests as well. We look forward to, to that uh, show too. So have a great week, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening. A reminder to like us uh, or subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, if you while you're at it, think about subscribing to goldenblack.com. Uh, we're very proud of the work we do. Tom Deanhart and Brian Newbert have been the best to, to, for me to work with. Mike Carmen, Jordan Jones, all the folks at Golden Black that make it happen. Consider a subscription or give it as a gift to somebody else. Uh, if you're a Purdue fan, you will not be disappointed. Also, Knucklehead Central, our our uh, message board, uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving, but a lot of great information and discussion about Purdue sports on there as well. So, again, thanks for watching and listening. Have a great week, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.